wow, like, hello, what? Whatever it is, I'm liking it. Well, hey there, Ben. I uh, kind of miss you, buddy. I know. It's been a while. How are you doing? It has been a minute. Podventure Time took a short hiatus. We had all kinds of life happenings going on. Do you want to report on any of yours? Oh, you know, normal stuff. Had a, a couple, had a wedding to attend. I had like weddings and funerals, man. It's just uh, life happens. My whole, the whole gamut yeah, of life. Yeah, we are at that age. Yeah. But we appreciate you guys sticking with us and hanging out, waiting for our newest episode to come out. So hopefully the wait has been, will have been worth it. We're happy to be back. Yeah, although I have some bad news. I think that we were kind of scooped while we were away. I uh, recently learned about a new podcast. It's called Drawn. It's by How Stuff Works, and they're partnering with Cartoon Network to do a podcast all about animation. Really? Yeah. I listened to the first episode, and it was quite good. I wish them the best of luck. They seem... Cartoon Network seems like a really startup kind of scrappy crew. They don't have the production value that we at Podventure Time have, so I wish them the best. I hope it works out for them. Much like Radiolab, they do a lot of editing where the different speakers will finish each other's sandwiches. (laughs) That's correct. (laughs) But yeah, we've uh, we've got a competing animation podcast, but hopefully ours is a little more niche. I know our, uh, our friends at Back to the Futurama have been alerted to the to the existence of this podcast as well, and it, it seems like they're going to talk about both uh, Adventure Time and Futurama on the show. So, oh, fun! It should be good. Hopefully, they don't totally just blow us out of the water as if we are in water that we could be blow, <laughs> blown out of. <laughs> Would require just the the gentlest of breezes to blow us out of wherever we are. We're just splashing around in galoshes at this point. You know what, though, like. I mean, we are such trendsetters then. It's all I, that's all I heard when you said that there's more people talking about this stuff. That's, I think it's just that we, tip of the spear, man. That's what we are, tip of the spear. Yeah. I liked us better when no one listened. Hey, can't have, can't have our cake and eat it too. People have got to listen. And yeah. we do appreciate you listening. It's, we really it's tough do. being a hipster. We really do appreciate you listening, and you can all be hipsters along with us. You can say, hey, I, I listened to Adventure Time podcasts before they were cool, which is ours. The, <laughs> Absolutely. The, the not cool Adventure Time podcast. We do appreciate you listening, though. Keep on listening. Hopefully uh, this, this next episode will be a good one. We're, we're, uh, we're looking forward to talking about... What episodes are we talking about today? So this will be season two, episodes 15 and 16. We're over halfway through season two all of a sudden. Man, one and a half seasons Let's go ahead and jump into the first one. Season two, episode 15 is called The Real You. The Real You. This one gets deep, as you can imagine. Yeah, this is, uh, I liked this episode. This was a episode that the general plot line is Finn struggling with his feelings for princess bubblegum and the uh the plot revolves around quite a quite a festive little uh shindig that the princess is throwing it's the uh, science barbecue 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 i loved it yeah it's a big deal yeah she's uh she's decked out in her barbecue gear and she is hosting the top minds in the land of Ooh to talk science and eat some ribs and some steaks which I love. I love that concept. Yeah, although the the steaks probably fell through a little bit. They did. They did. The pl- the the barbecue does not go off as planned, I would say. But I just love the concept of a of like a of a science potluck in general. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's PB's favorite thing. So of course she would just you know want to feature science heavily in any party that she throws. Yes. So let's let's talk about the, the 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 main points of the plot here. So we open with Finn and Jake heading over to the barbecue. Finn has prepared a present for Princess Bubblegum in honor of her barbecue. It is gross. It is a castle made out of his own saliva bubbles, basically. Like a yeah, it's a, it's a scale model of the Candy Kingdom. It's a scale model of the Candy Kingdom made exclusively out of saliva bubbles, which Jake 
starts ribbing him about saying he wants to basically swap spit with the princess and Finn becomes uh, as embarrassed as a 11 to 12 year old boy would about talking about things like that. But he does seem pretty interested in, uh, in impressing her. Yes, it is. Jake is not off the mark. I think that is why Finn is actually embarrassed, but they head on and Finn is super excited to show this to princess bubblegum. But it doesn't go quite as planned because when the princess closes her eyes to reveal to see her surprise, she sneezes, which blows all of the saliva bubbles away, and Finn is left holding a pink empty tray that he panics. But the princess loves the gift just the same. She thinks that a pink tray is just great for a barbecue, and she loves the color pink, which just sends Finn... Basically, over the moon. Yeah, he does a lot of blushing in this episode, and this may be the first time. Yes. And then we have a our first sort of plot device that occurs at this point, which is that the Peppermint Butler and Chet, the... I don't know what Chet is. What is Chet? Do you know? Yeah, I don't know. He looks sort of like a... Like a chocolate-coated corn nut of some kind, but I'm not sure that that's really a thing, so I couldn't tell you for sure what Chet is. Yeah, so uh, Chet, one of the denizens of the Candy Kingdom, comes running up to Princess Bubblegum. Chet seems like a bit of a narc. He was complaining that the yeah. he complains that the peppermint butler has claimed the title of Grillmeister when it was, I think, originally promised to Chet, or at least Chet had hoped that he could be Grillmeister. He called it. He called it. He called dibs. Yeah, which... he called it. If Dibs isn't being honored in the Candy Kingdom, I don't know that I'll ever want to go. Yeah, seriously. But the Peppermint Butler, who I will say is quickly becoming one of my favorite characters. Yeah. The Peppermint Butler has a dark side to him that I really enjoy. And he, uh, the Peppermint Butler is holding the spatula aloft and basically says, you can, you can take the title of Grillmeister when you pry it from my cold dead hands and runs off. But they run off, and in the fricus, they knock over the grill. Be- or no, it, they they're, they abandoned their post. Both of if if one of them was grillmeister, even if they're in debate who it was, and neither of them are neither of them are meistering the grill at the moment. And they look over, and the grill has tipped over, or has has lit, has gone gone astray, and has lit the bit of the stage for the barbecue on fire. And at that point, Finn leaps into action without a moment's notice, without a hesitation at all. As only Finn can. As only Finn can, and as best as I can describe it, he kills the fire with a sword. Like, he he attacks it like it's a monster and douses it with steak, essentially. He, he skewers a bunch of steaks on his sword and then dumps that on the fire, and that smothers it. And it puts it out. Yeah, that seems to be Finn's go-to method for. Oh yeah, stab uh, it with a sword. Solving problems is. Yeah. Yeah, pulling out his sword and going after him. Yeah. Physically. Sword. For- uh, but he is successful. He yeah. he stabs some stakes and sort of snuffs out the fire. Yeah. With the snakes, so the uh, barbecue can go on. It's not a fiasco yet. It is not, and and he sh- the um, Princess Bubblegum is super grateful because that could have gotten a lot worse a lot very quickly. But she is super grateful to Finn and gives him a big old hug and maybe a kiss. I can't remember which Finn, again, blushes at. And then she says something that throws Finn off. She says, you have such a fascinating brain, hero's brain, that you should speak. You should speak about something at the science conference. Because she finds... Yeah, she seems to view Finn as a specimen. I think that Finn hears, okay, I got to talk at the science convention. What PB is saying is you being the real you is going to be of interest to the scientists, not so much because they want to hear your ideas, but because they want to study you and your hero brain. Yeah, but she definitely wants him to give a speech. It's not just like, don't just, she didn't want to just say like, come and stand here. She said, you should speak. So he definitely knows that he needs to talk. But yeah, you're right. He interprets it as he needs to speak on something scientific where that's not what she meant. And 
you bring up a, the tone. Yeah, and the then tone. she gives him these sort of sparkly rainbow eyes yeah. that, uh, again, make him blush. And I think probably whenever she does that, she can get Finn to do whatever she wants. And this is a, a theme I want to talk about maybe at the end of our discussion of this episode is PB is pretty doggone manipulative to Finn here. I agree, but I also find that like PB's relationship with Finn changed, or the depiction of the relationship here changed from what I had previously come to understand, frankly, which was I previously understood Princess Bubblegum and Finn to be roughly the same age prior to this episode. Uh, it, it, clearly, Princess Bubblegum is of a higher status and has a kingdom to rule, but she seemed like they seemed like peers in in many ways one being like their age but in this episode particularly she seems several to 5 years older than him and it was a difference and maybe it's just maybe they're just maybe it's just a level of maturity and that's all that's being depicted but she got much more big sistery or like i don't know like weird like uh, not big sistery cuz he definitely has like a romantic crush on her but she seemed more like it was more like a i don't know this isn't the right thing but like a freshman having a crush on a senior in high school or something like that like that's yeah. what it seemed like she's pretty clearly out of his league yeah well but that's the thing she seemed much more out of this much more out of his league in this episode than she had previously like she seemed kind of like i mean she's yeah. a princess but like that never was like a barrier before or like i don't know there wasn't there was there i don't know there wasn't a barrier that this this interaction particularly for me, and maybe I just read into it too much, but like it particularly stood out to me as like, oh, like you, and maybe I'm picking up on what you picked up is that she doesn't reciprocate the feelings that he has, or it's not coming from the same genuine place that his are coming from. Like hers are being, right. maybe hers are coming from a manipulative place, whereas his are coming from like a genuine, pure romantic place yeah and i don't know whether she is purposefully manipulative sure but it's definitely a situation where uh finn is kind of puppy dog over her and yeah. she's just sort of leading him around yeah um i think your analogy of a of a senior and a freshman is a good one yeah. she definitely recognizes the power that she has in the in the relationship yeah well so let's we can talk more like you said in a bit but yeah this um this request of hers is what leads us to the major conflict of the episode, which is that Finn now feeling now feels inadequate to give a discussion at this conference that will impress the princess. And it's clear that failing the princess and looking less than in her eyes would be just a crushing blow to Flynn, to Finn. So he is hell-bent on giving the best presentation out of all the scientists at the conference basically and so he goes about yeah trying to he's gonna out. make sure that her conference is a smashing success and yep. the way that he thinks he's gonna do that is by giving a great scientifically literate speech and so yep. finn and jake <laughs> head off to where knowledge lives which is neither Braintown nor the library of the undead but it's just, just the regular old library. The regular old library. So they head over to the library to do a cram session on essentially all the knowledge in the universe, I think, is kind of their expectation, or at least enough scientific knowledge to have a breakthrough. But it quickly becomes clear that Finn and Jake are not book-ish at all. Yeah. So I I actually kind of identified with Finn here, not so much because I personally can't sit still and read, but I have met lots of little boys that can't. And uh, as Finn was struggling to read and learn science, it occurred to me that Finn probably has a different learning modality than a boy who would do well in the library. I think if there were schools in Ooh, Finn probably would fail out or be expelled from them because he is simply not capable of sitting still and thinking for any extended period of time. Yeah. He tries, not for lack of trying, but his his innate nature is one of action and one of motion and one of one of energy. And so 
even in the silence of the library, he finds uh, the ability to create music out of the sound of his blinking, which I really liked. I thought that like giving a sound effect to his blinking was was pretty good. Was pretty hilarious, actually. Uh, it's a very yeah. Like, it was like very bodily wet. beatboxing. Yeah, it's a very wet kind of bloom kind of sound that they gave it, and it made me laugh. So they get thrown out of the library because they start making too much ruckus. And I think he, the phrase he used that I liked was, um, I'm boarding out just like you, man. Like, um, yeah, Jake was, I'm boarding out too. Yeah. Just like, uh, yeah, Jake was getting bored and then I'm boarding out was that's such an action verb for like being bored. I loved it. It was like very, it's a very thin Yeah. Oh, I'm not, he wasn't, just, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. He wasn't just getting bored, which is passive. He was boarding out. He's, which is very active. Right. So anyway, they get they board out, which becomes too loud. And the librarian, who seems to be some sort of turtle princess, by the way, running the library. Yep. She ushers them out. And so they have to go to plan B. And plan B is to go to college, but not just any college. The only college that they seem to be able to access quickly is a college for worms. And... uh yeah, Finn kind of says, you know, since I'm no good at, at book learning, I think he says, he decides to experiment with a different learning modality and have someone explain science to him. And yeah, for whatever reason, probably because of time and distance concerns, they do have to be back for the the barbecue. Right. Uh, they come across Worm College and <laughs> kind of fake their way into the classroom. Yeah. Jake is able to just shrink himself down to be worm sized to get in, but Finn Finn attends via uh, sort of just holding one of his fingers in there and acting like a worm. Yeah, I have to point out though that that they both they each draw a face on one of their fingers and they're holding it up, and then Finn says, "Jake, what are you doing? You can just shrink down." Yes, and then Jake actually shrinks his entire body but keeps his hand the same size. <laughs> uh um it uh they try to attend this worm college and worm college is they they deal with some science that i'm not sure is is uh is on the standard curriculum for all colleges uh or it seems or or they stepped into a particular class that is focused in a uh, a strange set of strange set of learnings um the professor was of the, of the worms was giving a lecture that was, I can't remember all the details, but the result of which was that the werewolf queen is, is, is powerful overall. I think is like the werewolf queen presented high, was, was a highly f- discussed topic in this classroom. Yeah. I think the, uh, the professor ends up just saying, and when the werewolf queen returns, I will be her consort and we will rule the world together or yeah. something. He has uh, some grandiose visions. Yeah. <laughs> he, it went from a science lecture into something else entirely very quickly, but the professor notices the new pupils in the back and calls them out. Uh, Finn successfully pretends to be a worm do you remember the name he used, the fake worm name he uses? Wormy McSquirmy. Wormy McSquirmy. And Wormy McSquirmy, we'll see about that, looks at the syllabus. Oh, here you are, W McSquirmy. Sorry about that. Love it. So successfully impersonates one Wormy McSquirmy, but he still gets kicked out because he tries to pressure the teacher into sort of speeding up the lecture, and the professor does not take kindly to a student dictating what is being taught in his classroom and leads a, leads a bit of a classroom revolt against Finn and Jake and they get thrown out. Yeah, Finn starts hollering at him about, hey, teach, why don't you uh, talk about some science stuff? And the the professor kind of says, well, this isn't a science class. And then the professor gets, you know, he looks him up and he sees that Wormy McSquirmy is actually enrolled in the class, but then he gets mad at him because he hasn't showed up all semester. Yep. And that is actually what causes the the classroom full of worms and the professor to attack Finn and Jake. Yeah. So does that mean, do you think that, that means that Finn at some point did enroll in Worm College? Not, not specifically for the intent of uh, having this... Uh, having this happen, but just like at some point, Wormy McSquirmy, because like do, that, that made, I started thinking about does Wormy McSquirmy even exist, or was that Finn at some point in a random adventure ended up uh, accidentally enrolling in Worm College as as one Wormy McSquirmy? Yeah, maybe it's 
Maybe it's a little more sinister, and, and Finn bumped off Wormy McSquirmy so that he could assume his identity. Oof. His or seem... her identity. I, I suppose I don't know for sure which, uh, yeah. whether Wormy McSquirmy is a, is a, a, a man-worm name or a woman-worm name. Yeah. Or well, maybe a non-binary worm name. Who yeah, knows? Right, that probably doesn't apply in the worm world. It doesn't seem like Jake that he, or Finn that he would uh, kill off someone just for... The potential it also doesn't pretending. seem like Finn that he would have that kind of a long con plan. Well, so that's what I'm saying. I don't know that it was a long con. I'm just saying like he accidentally enrolled at some point, forgot about it, but that's his go- right. but that's his go-to worm name, and so it just happened to work <laughs> like happened to work a second time because at one point at another time he used it as well. But that's here nor that's neither here nor there. It does not affect the, the rest of the episode. It just made me think like where is Wormy McSquirmy and. Yeah, seriously. It's like the uh the Mitch Hedberg joke where it's like Irie, search party of four. <laughs> right, exactly. So having been kicked out of a library, being kicked out of college, they are scrambling for ideas when Jake says, Well, hey, why don't we just take the easy route and do it and learn things magically? And then they kind of go, Oh yeah, magic. The easy route. Yeah, Finn Finn says, Well that's that's the easy way out, and Jake goes, Yeah, it's the easy way out. <laughs> yep. So then they visit uh a character that I know is one of your favorites. They go and see Choose Goose. The Choose Goose, who I still haven't figured out what old voice actor they are uh paying homage to here, but I will figure it out at some point. But Choose Goose has a solution, of course. He does have a, a trinket that can help Finn. They are some spectacles, some glasses, and I'm totally blanking on the name. What what was the name of the the, the, uh, the relic? The glasses of Nerdicon. The glasses of Nerdicon will give you all the knowledge in the universe. And of course, Chuzgu's always comes. His his uh, trinkets always come with a price. This one was relatively mild, I would say. Uh, Chuzgu's was simply looking for a, yeah. a little bit of entertainment. So Finn supplies. Finn Finn supplies some light entertainment for Choose Goose, and he gets the glasses. He, yeah, Wormy McSquirmy does some scat for Choose Goose, which he loves, yeah. and so Finn gets the glasses, and everything changes. He puts them on, and suddenly Finn understands the intricacies of the universe, which, which he articulated as everything small, everything is just a small version of something that's big, which I think is... Uh, yeah it's so true it's just so true but he has he all of a sudden understands everything and all of a sudden he now knows what can what kind of what he can speak about at the princess's barbecue he uh, he has it all figured out now yes and with so, his new knowledge yep he he knows exactly how to impress the princess and make her science barbecue the best one Ever. Ever. So, off they go. Back to the barbecue. And Finn is Finn is presented uh, to the audience right after Dr. Sucrose, who gave a speech about... I Dextrose, I Dextro, think. Professor Dextrose, yes. Different form of sugar. Uh, Professor, De- Professor Dextrose was giving a speech. What was the speech about? Now I can't remember. Because I really liked this little interaction. Shoot. Uh, anyhow. Uh, I think it was about cuteness or something. Yes, it was about like the scientific properties of cuteness. Uh, Finn, like a, <laughs> like a snooty, tenured jackass, walks up kind of going, oh, yes, those very quaint notions were so entertaining to listen to, which is, I like the look on Professor Dextrose's face as he walks up stage just like grumbling at this. Upstart yeah, he gives him a death stare. He does not. Yeah. he does not think that his ideas are quaint. Yeah, and I'm sure they weren't, Professor. But Finn is Finn is there to give a speech, and he get, he he begins his speech. That he he is there to he's introduced as a local hero or as one of the heroes of Ooh, but Finn quickly pivots from that introduction to saying that he is there to blow their minds with an amazing with an amazing discovery he has made. And I really liked 
Finn's speech because he delivers it with typical Finn gusto, but but the topic is very non-Finn, very scientific. And so I thought that the the way that they, he delivered this was really funny of just, he kind of shouts it at them. <laughs> he, his whole speech revolves around, he has created a device that will make four-dimensional bubbles. Yeah, I really liked his speech. I thought it was actually pretty interesting how yeah. he was like, the two-dimensional bubble casts a one-dimensional shadow. Right. The three-dimensional bubble casts a two-dimensional shadow. And then he cranks it up to four. Yep. And the four-dimensional bubble casts a three-dimensional bubble, three-dimensional shadow, and it exists outside of space and time. (laughs) And that's what he screams. Like, it exists outside of space and time. It is beyond comprehension. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Very dramatic. But the rest of the attendees, including Princess Bubblegum, quickly realize... If it exists outside of space and time, that what he created was, and then Finn fo- finishes the sentence saying, "That's right, a black hole." So Finn has created a black and hole. This, of course, is a problem. Yes, Finn has created a black hole at the barbecue, and it starts doing what black holes do, and that is sucking everything inside. And this quickly turns into a catastrophe, a emergency, and a spot where Finn in his normal state would have been able to would have quickly acted but in his intellectual state is very calm and very contemplative about the entire events and there is no one there who can help because Finn is not himself yeah he has sort of a uh, he wants to take sort of a scientific approach to watching the people at the convention get really scared and then possibly die <laughs> yes yeah he has an intellectual curiosity about watching someone get sucked into a black hole. But the princess implores Finn. And this, it does get through to him. Because the princess says, like, we need, I need you to be the, he- I need you to be yourself. You're not yourself right now. And Finn gets a little confused that, because, and he says, but I thought you wanted me to be sciencey. I thought, you know, he, he kind of reveals that, oh, I did this for you. And the princess tells him, like, I need you to be you. That's what I like. Or, you know, she doesn't, yeah, really she, say, she doesn't say she it in speaks those words. the titular line. Yeah. Yeah, she speaks the titular line. She says, I need the real you. Oh, man, I'm so tired of all these Star Wars. What's that? <laughs> there's a there's an upright citizens brigade sketch where a guy claims to have the titular line in a bunch of movies and so he has oh. uh like sort of created a vhs where he's uh he edited himself into one of the star wars films and he says man i'm just so tired of all these star wars <laughs> oh. so yes princess bubblegum speaks the titular line she needs the real finn and she demands that he take off his glasses, which he does. And so we go through sort of the reverse of the regression that Finn went through when he put the glasses on. Mm-hmm. And they imply that all of the scientific knowledge he once had comes out of his colon. And the regular Finn is back and ready to fight the black hole. Sort of a flowers for Algernon fart joke. And <laughs> he, he, uh, he then, seeing the black hole does what Finn does best, attacks it with a sword. Now, everyone, no one else at the party thinks that that's going to do much, but Finn is convinced, and it so happens that Finn's sword, did it get knocked out of his hand, or did it just happen to, happen to go through? It goes, his sword goes into the four-dimensional bubble maker. And Yeah, so I think uh, PB is holding it, and she loses grip and it comes flying at Finn so he puts his sword out and the the bubble maker sort of envelops the sword and then breaks but now Finn has a four-dimensional sword which is going to be a much more effective weapon against the black hole that he dives headfirst into. Yep, dives headfirst into the black the fourth dimensional black hole with a four-dimensional sword and just like you learned in science class that makes the black hole explode and it saves Exactly. The, it saves the day. We have at the end of the episode a a resolution where Finn has now has a better understanding of 
and maybe a little more self-confidence in himself, his true self, and uh, understanding that Princess Bubblegum likes him for who he is, which is probably a good thing for him to know. And Yeah, absolutely. I think he realizes that if if indeed Princess Bubblegum is going to like him, it's going to be because he acts like himself and not because he changes in some way and becomes more scientific or whatever. Right. Um, I do want to point out one thing at the end of the episode that I thought was really... it was It's sort of a throwaway, but I thought it was really important. So once PB realizes that her barbecue has not been a fiasco, but everyone who's there loved Finn's presentation... She says, you know, oh, thank you, Finn. And she bends over and gives him a little kiss on the cheek, which causes him to pass out. He, throughout the episode, he's been hyperventilating when uh, confronted with uh, sort of PB's feminine wiles. But he actually passes out this time. And PB lets out this giggle that, to me, sounds completely happy and like a legitimate, this is funny giggle. Not like... You know, I could see if, uh, you know, your friend passes out and you laugh nervously or, you know, you you don't really know what to do. So you kind of go, <laughs> but she like gives out this really genuine giggle. And that is what to me made it seem like it made it seem like she really was mani- manipulating him because she knew doggone well what she was doing when she kissed him. So he passes out and that seems to give her that seems to just tickle her. And it seemed to me at that point that that was evidence that PB was manipulating Finn the whole time. Yeah, it's it was the laugh of someone who had gotten exactly what they wanted. Yes. Which can easily slip into maniacal laughter if you wait, if you let it slide. But the yes, I, I yeah, I mean I don't see PB like as a particularly sinister character but she certainly has a dark side it's been revealed in the past she has a bit of an authoritarian streak in her and is is someone who is used to getting her way and so yeah it's not it's it's entirely within the realm of possibility that what she wants from finn is a loyal servant lapdog kind of relationship. Yeah. I, I think one thing we've seen from PB is that she always has an agenda. She's always working an angle and she is more or less willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish whatever goal she has set out for herself. And I don't think that she is maliciously manipulative. I think that she just sees the world in a way where people and things in it are there either to be in her way or to be used by her to advance her agenda. Well, I mean, we the first time we meet PB, she is flaunting the law of nature. She is flaunting the rules of yeah, life. Yeah, that's and, true. She's flaunting the rules of life and death. Anything that she wants to do, nothing stands in her way, not even the endless abyss of death. Right. So, yeah, I would say that she definitely sees the world in a as a not as a plaything, but like as a a universe where she can get what she wants and she will do anything that she needs to to do so. And she may want Finn, and she may want Finn in a semi-romantic way, but she is she is going to have Finn and maybe not she's maybe not seeking the reciprocal relationship that Finn is seeking. Yeah, I don't think that she's after the kind of relationship that Finn is evidently after in this episode. Sometimes his feelings about PB are sort of unclear, but this one there's no doubt. Like, he's got a crush, she knows it, and like, you know, I I, I honestly am not sure how old PB is, but any teenage girl who has a little boy that has a crush on her is very likely to use that to manipulate that boy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I not not yeah. maliciously, not really understanding necessarily even what she's doing, but uh, I think when you have sort of a puppy dog following you around, you start to tell the puppy dog what to do. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think that's what you. I, that's as far as I'm willing to go. To I'm not willing to step into a an area where PB is a malicious character here. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I don't think so at all. All right. Fine. 
Well, then you've convinced me. Um, okay. So the so that was uh, that was episode fifteen. Good one, solid one. Had a lot of had Chews Goose, has Peppermint Butler, a couple of my favorite side characters. I want to see more of them. A couple good jokes. I liked the barbecue setup just in general. I think that's a funny juxtaposition. Yeah, good one. Yeah, I also liked the the what we learn about Finn and PB's relationship in this episode. I think it really goes somewhere. Uh, which makes it a good episode in my mind. Indeed. Why don't we talk about the next one then? All right, so we'll move on to Season 2, Episode 16, and this one's called Guardians of Sunshine. Guardians of Sunshine. This is a features another side character, one of your favorites, I know, but it is Finn and Jake playing along on their trusty video game machine, BMO, right? BMO? I getting that oh, right? I love BMO. Man, I like BMO a lot in this episode too. BMO got a, got a lot more rounded out as a character in this one. This essentially yes. is a. This could be a weird. This the plot of this episode could be best described as like a bad '80s movie. I think like it's sort of it involves. We'll get into it, but it sort of involves like a misunderstanding of technology. Or like sort of like an uh, an understanding of like technology is magic kind of thing, and right. So like a fantasy of a person who doesn't understand like all this new technology is to sort of fantasize it being more than it is, and uh, yeah. They, so it's it's either a bad eighties movie or a contemporary Steven Spielberg joint. <laughs> I have not seen said Spielberg joint, so I can't comment. But uh, but yeah, nor have I. All right. Well, yes, true. I mean, it is like. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, we're living in a world where virtual reality goggles and headsets are becoming more and more of a thing, so I can't say it's a, exclusively an 80s thing. Yeah, um, I, I think that, that people are probably going to keep getting sucked into video games for as long as there are people in video games. Yeah, but I mean, it is, it is uh, I didn't want to say it, but I mean, it is, this is Tron, man. The, oh, yeah. But... This is the Tron episode. This is where Finn and Jake are playing a video game on BMO and are pretty confident in their skills. It seems to be a very simplistic video game. I'm not even sure what the like the the storyline of the video game is other than like sort of dungeon jumping through going through a dungeon fighting monsters jumping over lava. But they always get to a boss that they can't beat. Classic video game like uh I can never get past this guy kind of thing. Um, and yeah, you have to do the combo move if you're going to beat Sleepy Sam. Right. There's a series of monsters that are relatively easy to beat, but then they hit Sleepy Sam, who they can never get past. And then Finn, after not getting past Sleepy Sam, has a just fantastic, like, perfect video game reaction, which is, this game is stupid. Which I've said verbatim, I'm sure, at some point. Oh, yeah. At some point, several times The in computer my life. is cheating. Yeah, the computer is cheating. This game is stupid. Throw my controller across the room. He says something like, "Man, if we if we could just get inside the video game, like we have such cool skills that we would get past we would be able to beat this video game no problem." It's he was basically saying like the problem is he can't bring his full skill set to this game. All he can do is use a controller, but if right. he had, if he had his full fighting capabilities to bring to bear, none of this game would be a problem. To which BMO responds... Yeah, he's he's certain that he can take care of Sleepy Sam if he can just use his mitts. His mitts, right. To which BMO surprisingly responds, no, that would be too much too dangerous of an adventure for you at this point. Uh, not right now. Whoops! Not right now, basically. Uh, which is, then all of a sudden, wait a second, is it possible, BMO, to jump into the game? Is it possible to get inside and and she says indeed it is there's just a button a hidden panel on her chassis that needs to be pressed by her and it would it would instantly transport them into the game uh Jake immediately presses the button yeah i thought that was a yeah yeah that was a great gag so yeah. um i'm going to call bemo i'm going to use male pronouns for bemo i think that he's a boy i don't know he's fairly oh. androgynous but i've gotten in the habit of calling him him but that's beside the point okay the great gag is bemo says if i push this button 
you'll be sucked into the game. And so Jake immediately pushes it and pushes it again. And then Bimo says, if I push this button, (laughs) you'll be sucked into the game. And so they wait for him to fall asleep after giving devious looks while they tell him goodnight. And then they pull the old feather trick. Right. The old tickle. And Bimo presses. I'll go, I'll go with there. I'll use a nonspecific just because who knows, uh, Bimo presses, yeah, it's a good idea. Bimo presses their button, and the, it, it works. Um, J, Finn and Jake are digitally transported, Tron-style, into the video game world. And, and all of a sudden, we've got 3D animation. I was very curious what you thought of that. Um, it didn't phase me. It didn't... I mean, I remember when The Simpsons ran a 3D animation episode, and it, it where they sort of put Homer. Homer fell through a vortex of some kind and landed in the real yeah. world. Landed in a real world, and I didn't quite care for that. I mean, that was a long time ago. It didn't seem like a gimmick at the time. Didn't really. They had a couple good gags, but this one it didn't phase me. And I thought they did a good job. I think that uh, I liked the. They still maintain the pixelated feel of a video game while still being 3D, which I thought was interesting. Like, they didn't turn it into a fully rendered 3D video game like today. There was basically like, if 8-bit graphics were 3D, what would they look like? And I thought yeah, that was... Yeah, it actually, it looks a lot like Minecraft. Ah, true. Minecraft 3D. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Minecraft. Yeah. But... F- I thought it was fine. It didn't. It, it didn't strike me as like particularly great or particularly bad. Okay, uh, I, I had built it up in my mind as this sort of momentous occasion where Adventure Time is starting to dabble in other forms of animation, but it may not be uh, quite the revelation to people who haven't watched every episode. I, uh, I feel like I just popped a balloon that you were holding. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. It just didn't hit me. I guess it just didn't hit me that way. But the video game style was very well done, and Finn and Jake were reveling in their newfound status, status, and really enjoying being in the video game. And so then they uh, start progressing through the video game that they know and well, know, know and love, uh, which and they reach the first obstacle, which is jumping over lava. Which is a, a, yeah, it's a giant pit. Yeah. It's a relatively easy feat in the game, but faced with it in, we'll call it real life, but like video game real life, they realize how wide and deep this chasm actually is. And Finn gets a little nervous. Jake is not. Jake is not nervous. He assumes that the physics of the game will hold and the way that he understands them to hold and he just takes a flying leap off of the edge, but it's not so much a flying leap as it is a plummet into the lava. Right. And Finn watches as Jake dies a horrible, painful lava death and is mortified. Is just, he's beside himself. It, like, once again, we, we see the panic that comes when either Finn or Jake are in grave danger. The other one is inconsolable. And yeah, Finn, he's, he's lost Jake, and and that's like his one big weakness that he just cannot handle is yeah. the thought of losing Jake. But he didn't lose Jake because Jake, in the midst of Finn's gnashing of the teeth and 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 things, uh, Jake just sort of says like, "Hey, dude," and reappears behind him because because guess what? They've got three lives in like it like just like in any good video game. And then in true jake irresponsible style (laughs) he makes sure to spend his second life just for fun by jumping purposefully into the lava pit right again dying a horrible burning death he reincarnates he respawns once more and finn implores him to not do it again because he said he 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 rightly i think surmises if just like in the matrix if you die in here you die in real life and so right he he says, Jake, you got to be careful. So Jake kind of agrees, fine. And they try to attempt to get across the lava. Jake still has his magic powers 
in even in digital form, he still has his stretching ability at least. So he stretches across the chasm, and they both get across pretty much unscathed at that point. And so they reach the next obstacle. Which yeah, is, and then that's really the only obstacle that they actually overcome. Yeah. Um, they reach the next obstacle, which... They pretty much it, run away from everybody else. Yeah, the next obstacle is the uh, bouncing bee, which is generally, again, when they play the game at home, it is one of the easier monsters to kill. I think Finn generally kills it with a, a jump kick in the game. So he feels pretty confident that he's going to take down Bouncing Bee, which is an enormous bee, by the way, like seven to eight times the size of Finn and Jake. And yes, but he, we kind of smash cut between Finn's overconfidence directly into Finn being skewered and drilled to death by Bouncing Bee just literally like drilling a hole through the center of Finn and killing him. Yeah. Finn and Jake really do uh, suffer some gruesome deaths in this episode. Yeah, they do. And this time it's Jake's turn to totally freak out seeing the death of his friend. Jake actually even runs away screaming from this site and doesn't know what to do. But all of a sudden, again, Finn pops up just like Jake did. Do, 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 do. So now they are, I think, equally, now they're equally freaked out about dying and want to get through this maze or this. Yeah, Jake, who, who we just saw jumping purposefully into the lava, says, there's nothing more precious than a life. That's right. Finally learned his lesson. They finally did. So now they have to move through the rest of the game, trying to get through. They get the next, they get to the next obstacle which is Honey Bunny. Honey uh, Bunny. Yeah, a, bee, a, a bunny, a rabbit-like creature dripping with goo, honey-like goo. And Honey Bunny shoots lasers out of his eyes or ears or something and is equally insurmountable as Bouncing Bee. But at least this time they kind of don't have that overconfidence and are wary enough to run away when the bouncing beat when honey bunny starts shooting lasers at him. Yeah, in the video game version they defeat honey bunny with the bomba, but they don't seem to be able to access the bomba when they're actually in the video game. Finn kind of tries to jedi mind trick it into existence, come to me bomba, but nothing works and so they end up just having to run away from honey bunny. Yep. Which leaves them to the last final boss, which is Sleepy Sam. Sleepy Sam is a tiny little toad, but tiny little toad with lots of powers. And they try to sneak up on Sleepy Sam, but it doesn't work. Uh, Sleepy Sam turns on them and fires a sonic blast at them, and then, which, which surprises Finn because he, again, once again, his, his mitts didn't work. And Finn is without without his mitts or without without his plan, he goes into full just uh bum rush mode. They try to bum rush Sleepy Sam, but Sleepy Sam just eats Finn and poops him out. And Finn has <laughs> Finn has one life left. And at this point they realize that with one life remaining, they need to just get out of the game. But they're not sure how. They run away, they run back to the beginning. Yeah, so Jake uh, decides to exploit a computer glitch, as he calls it at the beginning of the right. episode. Right. They get back to the end, the beginning of the game where they started, and they feel trapped. They're they're getting closed in on by all the monsters. But Jake sees the bomba up in the up in the menu bar of the game, stretches up, and decides if I can just get the bomba, we can beat these guys. And he pulls and pulls and pulls, and when he finally pulls it out of the menu bar, he basically rips a hole in the fabric of the game space, which sucks allows which which sucks Finn and Jake back out of the game and into the real world, but via like through a and they, come, they come they come flying very quickly out of poor Bemo, yeah, who's more or less giving birth to a a, a tween boy and a fully grown dog out of the side of his head. <laughs> yeah, out of a out of a out of a rip in their hull. 
But then BMO, Finn and Jake are happy to be back, but BMO knows that there's more trouble brewing. Uh, they say to Finn and Jake, you've got you've to close up my site. Oh, it's too late. Here they come. You need to run. And all of the monsters from the game come rushing out as well, now into the real world. And Finn and Jake burst out of the house trying to get away. The monsters come blasting through the walls and capture Finn and Jake. But before they kill him, uh, before the monsters kill Finn and Jake, they stop because they notice that they are in the sunlight. And that has been the that has been the objective of the game all along. Defenders of Sunlight, the game they were playing, uh, Finn and Jake were in the video game, were defending the sun from the evil monsters. But now that the evil monsters have successfully gotten into the sunlight, they have no reason to fight anymore. And they... they yeah, leave we have them. no quarrel with you. We have no quarrel with you. The only quarrel they have is with BMO, the evil video game machine that has trapped them inside for so many eons, basically. So they are going to kill BMO. Now, Finn and Jake can't stand for this. They have to protect BMO, and once it becomes clear that Finn and Jake are on BMO's side, the monsters once again turn on Finn and Jake. Sleepy Sam eats Jake, and Finn is the only one left to save them. BMO, before getting sort of swallowed, slobbered on by Honey Bunny, she tells, she reminds Finn to do the combo move, which Finn does flawlessly. It's a series of... Yeah, it's, not, it's, a, it's the only option he has left. It's not, so many, it's not so much a series of attacks, it's so much of like just series of movements and dance, which I think is funny. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of like the Contra code. Yeah. Uh, or the Konami code from Nintendo, up, up, down, down left right all that stuff uh but then yeah so finn is actually going up and down and left and right with his body uh as his character would in the game and he finally is able to complete the combo move thereby vanquishing the monsters back inside of bemo and so all is right with the world bemo admonishes finn and jake for forcing themselves, forcing their way into the game world. And I can't remember how it comes yeah, to Bimo this. Yeah, Bimo is justifiably yeah. unhappy with Finn and Jake. Yeah, yeah Bimo has literally had a new hole ripped, inside, ripped, ripped into them. Um, and Although I, I will say, I, I didn't point this out when we, when we came to it, but this is a little bit Bimo's fault. He should know better than to say the following. I actually wrote it down. <laughs> As Finn and Jake are trying to convince him to let them into his insides to fight the monsters with their mitts, Bimo says, it's a far too dangerous, incredible adventure for you. <laughs> yes. And as soon as, as soon as Bimo said that, Finn and Jake are going to get into him somehow. Yes. <laughs> yeah, fair. Bimo has lived with Finn and Jake long enough to know what, what their trigger words are. Right. But, but he is pissed. They are pissed. Bimo is pissed at the end. And I can't remember how it comes to it, but Finn and Jake basically kind of try to just like blow it off, brush it off, saying like, oh, like they kind of give a fake apology. And then Bimo, Bimo starts running the, uh, the combo move on Finn and Jake at the end of the episode. Right. And I can't remember why. Is it just because he's mad at them? Yeah, he's just mad, and so that's how the episode ends, is Bimo is yeah. in the midst of performing the combo move. So it's yeah. unclear what eventually happens. I don't think that they lived in the video game world forever, because we do have other episodes to talk about, but, uh, but perhaps it was an adventure that just never got told in the tales of, of the cartoon. I liked, I liked Bimo so much. I liked... I liked the way that they developed the character this in this episode. It's such a I don't know. It's just such a good video game character. <laughs> like a living video game. Yeah, and Bimo is just the cutest doggone thing I've ever seen. I love Bimo. I liked the episode. I mean, it was a very much a classic This is, you know, it was like a a a 
plot device to get them into an adventure kind of episode. No real growth, no real, no real development of the characters except for Bimo. And you're right. I mean, like the unique part of this episode was the animation style. Like, if we're gonna talk about like what was different about this episode, so like definitely like straying off into different animation styles and art forms is is cool. I enjoy it when shows do that. I really enjoy like when uh, shows like Community take a just adopt fully a different storytelling style. Yeah, really, really effective and really funny when done well. And this one was done. This one was done well. It was good. It was a nice, uh, a nice little breather or, or sort of uh, nice, just little contain self-contained little episode that is is stands on its own right. It doesn't have to be part of any other. Yeah, larger narratives. Yeah, I'm tempted to call it a throwaway episode, but I think it's a high quality episode. I I certainly enjoyed it. Um, I think I liked the real you better just because of the development that it gives to Finn and PB's relationship. Uh, but I I thought that both of these were were quite good. Yeah. So I think we've had a couple. Good... So quick check in. Yeah. Quick check in. The real you. How's that fitting into the to the dreamscape? Like I said, it it gave me pause as to like who is. I don't know. Have I ever defined PB in the? Yeah, I don't think so. We've we've placed I think Marceline as an older sister and Jake as an older brother, but I'm not sure we've ever come up with a role for PB in. Yeah, I mean, alleged waking life. Yeah, I mean, I think like easily you slot slot PB in as as some crush he has, some girl in his life, uh, probably at school, who he has a crush on. And like I said, like the thing that like threw it for me a little bit is that it seemed like she in this episode that she is older than him in some way. And, yeah. in, and so I don't know what that means in the, in the waking world, if she is literally older than him or if it's just that she is more mature than him or seems, or he puts her on some sort of pedestal. If that's all this is in, is a manifestation yeah. of like girls mature faster than boys. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fine. Yeah, science. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I think that PB is a girl that Finn literally knows, and is this is the manifestation of of a literal crush he has. I don't think it's. I don't know that she's a manifestation of just like his general, because it could be interpreted as that that she is just the the representation of his general budding, you know, sexual self. Yeah. I think there's a literal person. I think there's an actual person in his world that he is he has a crush on that she represents. All right, mark it down. Yeah. 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 And I think that's oh good. I'm glad you brought that up cuz I I'm glad we put PB in there. That would be that's important. Okay. Well, I I look forward to learning at some point whether or not this is if the if the dreamscape is is real or not, I'm sure it'll be like season. Yeah, 12, we are definitely constructing it, so it will be. Yeah, yeah. it'll be exciting uh, if you ever get conclusive evidence one way or the other. Yeah, but and uh, but I suppose we'll have to do that on another episode of Podventure Time later yeah, on. Yeah, I, th- I think so, and I think that's as good a reason as any to sign off now, so that we can get to recording another episode for another week talk to you lovely people once again yeah this is the part of course where we say thank you and first of all i got to say thank you to my good friend will yates who lets us use his music as our intro and outro music that song's called date night it's off of his ep i know the feeling if you go to willyates.bandcamp.com you can pay what you want for that ep and another one that is a little bit newer uh thank everybody for listening you should interact with us on the internet because that's a thing that uh is fun to do so you can follow us on twitter we're at podventure time you can search for us on facebook where we've got a page for the podcast as well as a group where hopefully we'll have uh hotly contested debates about the dreamscape theory and and other theories that you all might come up with and you can even email us if you want to do that we're just podventure time at gmail.com thanks again for listening everyone yeah so until we come back to explore the dreamscape further, I've been Pat. 
And I've been Ben. And this has been Podventure Time. Truancy hurts us all, McSquirmy. Squirmy.